And we're back with another fun episode of Old Fashioned Working Whiskey, a podcast discussing old-fashioned cocktails and old-fashioned work ethics. I'm your host, Jason Courtney. As always, in studio with me, our producer and co-host, Olin Hyde. Glad to be here and looking forward to another lively discussion with you today. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. So we're uh, we're like, what, eight episodes in recording-wise? We're and around there, yeah. Every every two weeks, we're we're having a blast. So, let's uh, let's start our discussion this week with our cocktail. We're drinking it in the form of an old fashioned, uh, which is our our go to selection. It's consistent and delicious. We've got Old Scout Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, it is hand selected by Maisano's Fine Wine and Spirits. Another one of those bottles I picked up on my way back from Biloxi and uh oh ching 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 huh yeah yeah so it is a it is a chocolate caramel spice it is aged five years five months it's bottle 62 of 186 out of barrel 24,146 bottled by jordan and it is 59.2 percent alcohol by volume which means it is pretty potent. So we shared this with our office administrator right before the show and our director of <laughs> operations, Simon, who you've heard from before. And uh, she she was she took a little <laughs> whiff of it and said, that smells extremely strong. Yeah. So she apparently was right because we're, we're well over 100 proof yeah. at 59%, right? We're at what, 118.4. Yep. That's probably one of the strongest we've had to date. Yeah, and you can taste it in the old fashioned. <laughs> can you? Yeah. Good. All right, I'm gonna take my first sip. You know, Olin, he's a pre drinker. I uh, I didn't do much this time though. No? I just took a little, just a little uh, tip of the tongue there. But this time, I would say I think honestly, this bourbon would be better in the Gold Rush because it's so strong that it would counteract the citrus yeah the acidity of that yeah. yeah that lemon i think you might be right comes through it's not pretty bad strong though it is, it is strong but I, I feel like it blends well we use the uh the orange bitters and then of course my my favorite the filthy, filthy cherries. cherries um so yeah so a great bourbon I, i'm you know i was a little worried when we discussed the the chocolate caramel spice that it might come through a little too strong and mess up the flavor but I, I don't think there's too much chocolate or caramel in it i think it's uh, a foolproof um bourbon that that really uh shows some character uh in in the mash bill so old scout uh doing a little bit of research prior to uh the show as normal it's a it's a rye um 36 percent rye content so it's not billed as a rye but it, it is pretty high on the on the mash bill, it is still 60% corn uh, and then 4% malt. Um, but it's a high rye bourbon, and uh, they do age it for five years and non-chilled. Um, so it's it's getting that full flavor of the cask. They do, do they do use a charred cask to, to help bring in that flavor. So it is sweet and smooth. Um, you do have a little bit of that sweet flavor to it from the chocolate caramel, yeah. but it's not, once again, it's not overpowering. But a good At bite all. from the rye. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So it's been great. So we uh, we are drinking Old Scout straight bourbon whiskey. Highly recommended if you guys want to go out and grab a bottle. Uh, not too expensive for for a good quality 
uh, bourbon whiskey there. So, so today we're talking about chasing revenue and you know, there is a lot of different ways that you could take that, but what we want to start with is what, what is chasing revenue? Why is it important to know? I just had a lunch with a, a potential businessman here in Pensacola, um, who's looking at starting his own uh, Tabasco-like company, right? It's going to be a hot sauce. It's going to be small batch. It'll be like, be like bourbon, right? So each batch may be a little bit different, but uh, we're excited to talk with him and, and get him, um, you know, some information as far as what we've done, where he's headed. And it was interesting, um, our conversation, you know, where, where does he want to go? What does he want to do? You know, there's so many different things a lot of hot sauce out there. There are a lot of hot sauces, but even like, you know, he wants to eventually one day possibly do a barbecue sauce or, you know, and we, we talk about it a lot, you know, and I gave him this illustration exactly, you know, from Pensacola to Seattle, could you get there right now without a map? Probably, you know, eventually you would get there, right? You know, you know, in general, you need to head Northwest, right? There's like it's northwest that's where you got to head yeah eventually you're going to hit the water and head up the coast and you'll get there yeah but you can make it a lot quicker using a lot less fuel bearing a lot of expense and time if you plot out your trip ahead of time right yeah and that's kind of what we want to talk about is making that plan where do you want to be and how do you want to get there so when we first started almost six years ago it was, we need cash. We need whoever will pay and whoever will pay quickly. Yeah. Right? Like anybody and everybody. Daytime, nighttime, Dorm room, weekend. Clean outs, you, construction cleanouts. You name it. Restaurants, bars, grills. We'll, we'll do whatever. We need the revenue to, to get to where we need to be. Would you say we still do that? We still have the temptation for it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, you're not wrong. We have the temptation. Matter of fact, you and I discussed earlier this week a construction cleanup, which had the potential to be, you know, eight to 10 grand in revenue, which it's folks, no, no, matter, no matter how large you get, right? We're doing over 6 million in revenue now. Doesn't like 10, 10 grand still like, hey, that's a good chunk of change. That's a chunk of change. <laughs> let's, let's go after that, right? So we had to talk through like, what does this do for our operations team? What does this do for, you know, us? Where where do we have to be? What's the payout going to be? Because there's a lot of things that you don't understand when you're first getting into business. Uh, you know, net terms are one of those. Net 30, net 45, net 60. Uh, those are things you don't always Construction understand. Construction cleanouts don't always, uh, I don't want to say not pay, but. They, they nickel and dime you and try to haggle you. And Absolutely. Even though you've agreed on a price, well, you know, this wasn't quite done to standard or this was behind schedule. Oh, hey, we found some mess in here because a contractor came in behind you and mm-hmm. they don't say that. They just say, hey, you didn't get this room clean. <laughs> and so we need you to come back out and clean it again. So we started taking pictures and being prepared to battle those things because it does happen in that industry. So we decided on a, a niche or a niche However you prefer to say it, I've heard it both ways, Gus. Um, you know, so it's it's not in our niche, so we're not going to do it. It's good revenue. It's, you know, a good foot in the door possibility, but this customer let us know, hey, we're going to have our own co- cleaning company. Like, we're going to do it ourselves, self-perform it. So why why risk it for us? It didn't make sense. So we're, we're moving on. And it's 2021, so everyone knows that, employers are struggling to find people and 
we have been just like everybody else, short staffed. And like you said, so now our operations team is going to have to scramble to try to find the people to do this job that is for two weeks, as opposed to if we were going to do the routine cleaning and we could hire our normal cleaners to just come in and help with that and then place them in the building afterwards. So, you know, we, we just politely declined on it and took a pass because we felt like, sure, it was a great chunk of change, great amount of revenue that we could have said like, yeah, let's do this. But instead we said, is this what's best for the company? And ultimately we said no, even though, like I said, the temptation of taking it was still there. Yeah. And so that's where we kind of focus now on our core customers, right? We have, we know what we want in a customer. Even this year we made changes, right? Like coming out of COVID, yeah. we, we made some big changes that well, so we, we talked a couple episodes about when I, I joined here and we rolled out the EOS platform again on that. And one of the things you have to do through that process is define your niche or your niche customer. And we went through that process, but we were still selling outside <laughs> <Anything>. of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wanted three to five days a week, you know, a certain volume of revenue. But if a one day a week customer came in... We would sell it. Yeah. So... This year, with the minimum wage hike that's coming in the state of Florida passed by the the voters, we stepped back and took another look at that and said, okay, now most of our headache, a lot of our cancellations, a lot of our time spent managing customer expectations are out of these open hours, open hours, sites that we can't get cleaners assigned to. All of that was inside of that group of customers that fell outside of our niche. Yeah. So we made a conscious decision to move on and it took a little bit of effort, right? It wasn't <laughs> it's some I, conversation. <laughs> yeah. I won't, I'm not going to throw Olin under the bus. Cause that's not what I do. Just kidding. I do it all no, the it's time. Fine. Yeah. Like, uh, Cause I'll admit like Olin the idea of the throwing budget. revenue away was, it took me a minute to accept that. Yeah. So Olin <laughs> manages our budget, right? He's responsible for the outcome, even though I'm the CFO and handle the budget and the daily uh, input of information. Olin's responsible for it. So whether we achieve or don't achieve, it's it's on him. And he's looking at this and saying, hey, this is going to make our budget harder to retain. Like you, we have a sales goal and you want to just toss away eight to 10 grand a month in, in customers. And yeah. folks, just so you guys understand, like that's 96 to $120,000 a year. That's no small number of not accounts. a small, small chunk of change. But what we've realized is it'll make our lives better by providing a more consistent customer to the to the niche customers that we want. And it'll re- relieve a little bit of that stress on our operations team to allow them growth expansion, right? So right now, we were finding that they could have managed around 40000 in in revenue on their own without another manager. And then we think it could go up now because there's not as many headaches. There's not as many open hours. Yeah. So, you know, the it volume could, of counts is much less while the revenue is, is more similar. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's, that's the thought process there is, you know, so while we may have decreased our, our gross revenue, we may have decreased our top line expenses, right? So we, yeah. we may be able to still increase those, uh, top line profit margins by decreasing our top line expenditures. So that was that was a specific thought that we had, which spins us into our next topic, which which you brought up, which was the 80-20 rule. Yeah. So 
this has been stated so many ways out there, but basically 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your revenue and or 80% of your headaches comes from the bottom 20% of your revenue. Or there's, like I said, there's been so many different slices out there, but the way we broke that down was truly 80% of our operations workload came from the bottom 20% of our customer base. Absolutely. And when we finally looked at it that way, it was, it was like, okay, let's look not only at just the top line revenue, but what's involved in keeping that revenue and what's the profit that comes out of that revenue. And it was like, you know, after you, you look at that picture that way, it's not worth yeah. keeping this business that we sold outside of our niche that we said was where we're successful and we make the most money. And, and profit percentage wise, it's great. Oh, it was high, right? I mean, we're talking 30 to 50% on most accounts on your net profit, but dollar you know, wise, <laughs> you know, dollar wise, we're talking, I mean, what, what's, let's say 30% of a hundred bucks yeah. per customer. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at small potatoes for headache, stress, turnover, which then cause other headaches inside the, the organization. So it just made sense for us to, to move on and not worry about that 20%. And our team, when we told them, Hey, we've made this decision, we're going to move <laughs> these accounts out of here. They were disappointed, right? <laughs> yeah. There was like almost a collective cheer. Um, <laughs> I think if they thought it was okay, they would have jumped up and like cheered. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were excited. They realized what this meant. Now there was a small like what about the revenue, right? Cuz we do preach yep. on revenue. But at the same time there was so much relief in what they had to be doing on a daily basis. They were like, "Yes, let's do it. Let's." Yeah. There was no like, "Oh, we really are sad these guys are." So leaving. we made that decision 3 4 months ago. We went through a couple of options of trying to unload these accounts through selling them to a sister yeah. franchise and uh, even giving them to our AD. And then um, we ended up partnering with an external um, little small cleaning, small company, cleaning company to handle these. And so it took a little longer. And, and each month the <laughs> operations team would come in and, hey, hey what, do you <laughs> know where do we stand? <laughs> yeah, do you know when we're getting rid of these? So they were very much excited because they understood what it meant in their stress load, their workload, and what they could get done for the, for the bulk of our customers. Yeah. And, uh, it's been, you know, hands down, like most of the customers were understanding and we're like, Hey, we get it. And because we had already gone out and got an alternative for them, they were appreciative of that. Yeah. Like, Hey, yeah, please have that person contact us. We, you know, we really don't need more than that. We're just such a small office. Cause so we, we sent out a letter that said, Hey, you know, due to these times we're we're no longer able to offer once a week service. We would either need to quote you for three to five times a week, or we would have this alternative guy yep. reach out. And we actually had a we customer, had customer move. that moved to three times a week and it's worked out well. It's fully Great. staffed. It's, you know, no complaints have been in knock on wood. So, uh, we don't have that sound effects button or we'd use it. So it's, oh, we uh, do. Hold on. Uh, let me take a guess here. There we go. Yeah. So they were, <laughs> they were excited. You know, we, we, we were having fun and our employees are now grateful for that. And it's one of those things that we have to make sure that we're not chasing bad revenue, which is our next topic. You know, is, is there any revenue that's bad revenue? And, Absolutely. Absolutely is the answer, <laughs> yeah. right? You and I have been uh, privileged. You know, when I was with corporate, I did a lot of training with new franchise owners and you were part of the corporate certified training team. Uh, so they partnered with franchisees to go out and help train brand new franchise owners. 
And so we've seen a lot of experience with our brand out there trying to sell bad revenue. And we've coached a lot of them away from it, but not all of them follow our, our advice. And so some of you listening might be wondering, well, what is bad revenue? So for us, we've defined our sweet spot, our niche customer as three to five times a week. And where we are really successful is after 5 p.m., but somewhere, you know, done by around 10 p.m. Yep. So there's sometimes we'll get a customer that may be a really large building that will come to us and say, we want you to clean five days a week. We're thinking, great. Oh, but you can't get in until midnight. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, that's a lot of revenue. But the challenge, the part that makes it bad revenue is staffing that is going to forever be a problem. Yeah. And, and we're fixing to have to have this conversation about the Blue Wahoos organization. Uh, I was just out today discussing uh, some sanitation needs they have in their clubhouse and weight training room, um, the bullpen area for, for the organization. And it's going to fall a little outside of our niche, but it's also a huge opportunity to partner with a great organization that has a lot of leads in the city. So we're going to have a conversation about that. But I want to spin over to a podcast that I've listened to. And for once, it's not Patrick Lencioni. Uh, so I, uh, I've caught up on all of his like 67 episodes. I've, I've listened to like probably three a day for the last, you know, four weeks and, and caught up. And I was trying to find a new podcast and I flipped through some and Olin knows better than most. Uh, I don't give you long. You've got about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes to capture me. And then I'm moving on, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. you gotta not, get it. If you're not uh, exciting or captivating right out of the gate, it's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So I went through like three or four different podcasts that, you know, I was trying to get into. I'd looked at the, the mindset mentor with Rob dial. I was listening to a bit of optimism with Simon Sinek. I'm like, you know, it's not bad. I've heard him speak live. He was great. Fantastic. Um, I've done some of the John Maxwell leadership podcasts. Some of them are great. Some are a little slow and I've came across, um, a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Keller and you and I both read his book, uh, the one big thing. Yep. And uh, he is the founder of Keller Williams Real Estate. And this podcast is called Think Like a CEO with Gary Keller and Jay Papazon. Now, if you don't know who G Jay Papazon is, don't don't be surprised. He was the co-author in The One Thing, um, helped write um, Millionaire uh, Real Estate Agent with with Gary Keller and it's a story the first so he does it in seasons and his first season is the founding of Keller Williams and he talks specifically about revenue and he's building this company and it's not super profitable but he's trying to just keep getting the same customers and he had an advisor come in and say why yeah. look at like you're barely make you're barely staying afloat with this customer why do you want to replicate that what if we found a customer that was you know, 20% more profitable, wouldn't that be a better fit? And it was like an aha moment for him. He was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd be better. <laughs> right? Like here I am dang near losing money and I want to just keep selling these accounts because I can do it and do it well. Yeah. But it was like revenue wise, it just didn't make sense. He was doing it for next to nothing. And it was not a, a business model that was sustainable. It would have eventually caused him to go under. Yeah. 
So that's what we mean by bad revenue. There are revenues that, you know, in the beginning, we talked about, you know, how long they take to pay 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. In the beginning, we were so cash poor, a, a 60 to 90 day customer would have put us under. Yeah. Well, that's the case with a lot of businesses in their first few years where cash flow is so tight almost always. And you look at bad revenue and it's not just, like you said, an unprofitable account, but it can be what we were talking about, an account that stresses the organization. It can be an account that for the amount of money you're making on it takes a large portion of your time. In other words, it's a, that bottom 20% revenue that takes 80% of your time. And instead, it's like, what if you had spent 80% of that time with one of your top 20% customers growing them. And so bad revenue comes in a lot of forms. It could be hard to staff, hard to manage, just stressful. But in short, bad revenues, whatever falls outside of your niche. Yeah. And, I, you know, so us being entrepreneurs and being of the business mindset, we love shows like Shark Tank. And uh, I know you and I have watched several seasons together traveling yeah. and um, it's one of those, like if it's on in the hotel we're watching, or, it. yeah, <laughs> even if it's an episode we've already seen, it's just something we know we both enjoy and yeah. it's, you know, we always pick up something on it. And a lot of times you'll see, oh, well, how many have you sold? And it's like, oh, we've sold a hundred thousand. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. How are you doing? Oh, direct consumer. And you know, with this yeah. social media platform, but we really want to get into big box retail and everybody's like, what? No, you're dumb. Don't do that. Why <laughs> yeah. would you get into big box retail? They're going to cut your profits out from underneath you. It's so hard. It's such a grind, right? That's them chasing bad revenue. That's Absolutely. them just wanting to get those big sales. It's, it's the flashy. It's you know this, but there was an account I took when I started my franchise down in Tampa. <laughs> the 3 and this was bad franchise. revenue. The 3 a.m.? Yeah, this was bad <laughs> revenue at its finest. And it was a nightclub combined with a restaurant. So it was a restaurant that shut down at like 9 o'clock to convert to a nightclub. Yeah, yeah. So the first floor was the restaurant and then upstairs semi-connected like there were open balconies was a nightclub. And so it was about 30,000 square foot of space, which is Rather Great large. account, yeah. Yeah, seven days a week, <laughs> which is hard to staff. And then because it was a nightclub, it was like, oh, you can't come in until three. But because it was also a restaurant, you have to be out by 10 before we start prepping for the lunch crowd. And it took about six hours to get it all done. So you have to get there at 3 a.m., be done by 10 and trying to staff this was a nightmare so i ended up cleaning did you it ever myself staff it? i mean i think you had some people go with you from time to time but I it did. was never fully i had one guy for a little while you know maybe a month that <laughs> that did it and whether or not he did a good job i didn't care yeah right this is an example of bad revenue <laughs> I was just like, he's there. He's doing something like it doesn't matter. I don't have to be there at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And it was just, it was bad all the How way long around. Did you hold on to it? Oh, you know, like three months. So, and then the, the last month was they were going under and I was having to try to fight for my money. And so I ended up stopping the service because they had only done like a partial payment and they were getting out. And I was like, I'm not risking anymore. Seeing that writing on the wall. Yeah. So it was just bad all the way around. And it was a learning lesson for me as a entrepreneur that bad revenue, just sometimes it's better to walk away from. Well, the last thing that we want to sneak in here as we talk is the the growth rate, right? So we've had a, for all intents and purposes, like a pretty 
good growth rate over the last yeah. five years. We have grown, I mean, consistently almost a million dollars a year is the average. And that's one of the reasons cash flow was so tight up front. It's probably one of the things that helped, or I say helped, it probably is one of the things that kept us a little more conservative in in our fiscal spendings and, you know, yeah. advertising, people hires. And that's something a lot of new business owners don't fully understand is how much growth costs. Absolutely. You've got to fund it, especially when you're talking 30, 60 day payments. Yeah. You're shelling out. Yeah. You're shelling out this money up front before you ever receive a dime, right? It's we we've talked about other businesses, um, you know, like coffee, let's say you're, you're getting paid daily to recuperate some of those costs versus cleaning. You get paid once a month and then depending on how they're paying, you may get payments each week or something like that. But it's not like coffee business where they have rent, electricity, labor materials everything for 30 days right funded by each sale each day this is hey you've got to shell out the labor up front you've got to buy the equipment up front you've got to have the you know the timekeeping system in place that handles all that and then you've started that for 30 days and laid out all that and then you're going to get paid in 30 days hopefully Right. Yeah. Hopefully if the customer isn't delayed in their, <laughs> exactly. their payment. So you're going to get paid in 30 days and then you've got to turn around and redo it all over again. So it takes you probably close six to eight months to recuperate your, your startup costs. That's why we talk like you don't want a customer less than a year because you will have lost money. Yeah. You're burning more cash than you make in the short term. If, if you're not keeping them that long, which we haven't sat down and looked at this number, but the customer lifetime value for us is fairly high. It's definitely Absolutely. over 12 months. Yeah. And that's a huge thing in terms of cash flow and converting that top line gross revenue down to cash in the bank. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out to Jeremy and Katie in, uh, where are they at? Detroit. What is their last name? Outside of Detroit. Um, Is it Shankle? Okay. I was thinking Shankle and I'm like, wait, I don't want to get this because there's a Katie in Tampa or right outside of Tampa, Katie Blondell. Yeah. Uh, But so I was, I was up doing the sales visit uh, in Detroit with Jeremy and Katie and we had the walkthrough of a lifetime. I, I think I called you on it. So I didn't know this until I got into this industry, but I called it the bank of America building because it was a building with bank of America on the side. And as a kid and even into adulthood, I thought that those buildings with the names on the side, that's who owned and populated those buildings. Well, now I realize that they're just like the, the, the sponsor. Tenant. Tenant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they pay to have their name outside, but they rent it to a whole bunch of other people. They don't own the building more often than not. And that's how that works. But the opportunity came through and it was like a 300,000 square foot walkthrough. And I'm, man, I'm excited, right? Cause we have a building here. That's like a million square feet. We love it. We crush it. They're a great partner with us. And I'm like, man, this can be that for you. And then I'm starting to think, I'm like, hold on, pull the reins back just cause we can cash flow. It doesn't mean they can. I'm like, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, easily 30 to $40,000 in equipment. Like you're, yeah. you're looking at another, you Plus. know, 15 to $20,000 in labor. And this is probably going to be a net 45 to net 60 account. So you're looking at doing that twice before you ever see your first dime. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. You know, the excitement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The like wind's a, out of the sale for them because sure. that would have been bad revenue, right? It's a great opportunity in year four and five, you know. Yeah. But not right out of the gate. Yeah. We're, I mean, we have not, la- I think we had already landed their first customer, which was a good learning customer. It was like three days a week and it was like $1,000 a month, $1,200 a month. So a good, 
little niche, you know, client there for them to start with. But then we got this opportunity and he saw the dollar signs, right? Which is what we all do, right? We see, you know, you see a 300,000 square foot building, you're thinking in your head, all right, this is a 50,000 to $70,000 a month job, right? That's, that's huge. Not thinking I might need 75 to a hundred K to start this, start this account. Absolutely. So, you know, that, that went through. So you've got to be careful with your growth rate. You don't want to come out too hot. You don't want to come out too cold because then you lose the wind in your sails and you have to have a a kick in the butt to get going again yeah it's uh and like what we talked about with uh rachel on the last episode is you can only coast one direction right so you want to be growing and you want to be selling but you don't want to try to coast because then you're going to start declining next thing you know you're going your revenue is going to be shrinking if you're not out there constantly advertising constantly marketing constantly networking and and trying to grow your business yeah So that's chasing revenue in a nutshell. That's our take on what's good, what's bad, how you should go after it. You know, it's not the end all be all, you know, we're not God's chosen people to deliver this message. It's our experience. We'd love to hear your experiences with chasing bad revenue. Yeah, it's happened, right? We've all done it. If you haven't, I would love to specifically speak to you. Uh, I will give you my cell phone because I want to know how you did it. Yeah, yeah. And then how to avoid it in the future. So reach out to us on our Facebook, Old Fashioned Work and Whiskey. Shoot us an email at oldfashionedworkandwhiskey at gmail.com. It's a privilege being with you. We enjoyed the Old Scout straight bourbon and whiskey. I'm Jason Olin. Nice being with you. We'll see you next time.